0: Do you ever wonder why we talk so much about neurodiversity and yet little seems to change? I think it's because we often overlook a critical question. Are we genuinely prepared to be inclusive? In this episode, we're going to take a closer look at this intriguing paradox and unpack the barriers keeping us from making inclusion a reality. Hi. I'm Dr. Teresa Haskins, and welcome to Think Differently, the podcast that challenges the status quo and explores the power of neurodiversity to create a more inclusive and accessible world. Together, we will talk about everything from the value of different perspectives to the limitless potential of human beings. We'll explore how embracing differences can lead to endless possibilities and how you can maximize strengths to make a positive impact on the world. So sit back, relax, and join me as we get ready to think differently. Hi, everyone. I'm back after a much-needed short break. It's been a hard few months for the world, and I don't think it's getting any easier anytime soon. Beyond record-breaking heat waves, seismic decisions impacting diversity rights, there's a lot of energy and worry when it comes to disability inclusion, diversity rights, and the growth of the neurodiversity movement. And yet for all the battles, there's also a lot to celebrate. More people are coming together. We're working collaboratively on solutions, young and old, and more people are advocating to include others to appreciate differences and do what they can to make the world a little better place. So it's summer. I know that many people online are taking breaks from the forums, they're stepping away to spend more time with family and friends, and probably because there's just this general feeling of fatigue in the world. So I first want to acknowledge you and others that I know, that I know people are feeling stuck or tired. Recent events are raising concerns about the future of diversity initiatives, whether all these efforts that we've made and the progress we're making will be dismantled, and whether those that need support will ultimately get the care they need in the future. As it's now July, which is also Disability Inclusion Month, there's, like I said, a lot to celebrate. But the truth is, is that this month also serves as yet another reminder of how far we've yet to go. But you need to know that what I'm finding is the majority of people I talk to We're fighting the same fight. The systems I seek to change are the systems they're advocating to change. We're sharing our stories of adversity and tenacity and perseverance. And we all know that we need to be more open to alternate realities, to increase understanding and progress in the space. Even within the disability and autism communities, there are limitations based on what people know and have personally experienced. And without increasing understanding of what it means to be a business leader or a talent acquisition specialist, then we're not gonna realize the change we're all trying to inform. Advocating for equal inclusion and opportunities is essential, but we also need to recognize that limitations exist in our current world, and we may not be realizing neurodiversity today, but we are taking positive steps forward To build a more neuro inclusive world tomorrow. And we can't allow one moment or one story to deter us from the possibility and potential of the inclusion of diverse individuals. So it's obvious there's a lot of need for change. And I talk a lot about diversity and how we need to change change the way we work, change the way we think, how we evaluate skills. But one thing we don't often candidly discuss is whether we're truly ready to be inclusive. Initially, you might think, what do you mean, are we ready to be inclusive? Either you want to be inclusive or you don't. And if we didn't want to be inclusive, why would I be listening to your show? But I'm going to be honest with you, it's not that simple. And before you can say, yes, I want to be inclusive, you must first recognize that you just said the word I want to be, not I am. And so one means intent. The other is realized. And when you can recognize this difference, we can start unpacking why you may not be achieving inclusion in your workplace or schools today. Certainly there are prejudiced and bigoted individuals in the world. We've all encountered them at one point or another, as well as those with ableist and biased beliefs. People who really believe that there are people who can and cannot do things. I've met many leaders who are all about increasing disability inclusion. But when I turn the topic to their own workplace, many are very quick to say that a disabled person wouldn't be successful on their team. There's usually a litany of reasons that they have that have nothing to do with skills, but on the beliefs of how people need to work at their workplace. And this is a common pitfall. People who agree that disabled people deserve the right to work are the very same people who will tell you that those people won't work out here. And let's be clear, I'm talking to leaders of knowledge workers who believe that their team has requirements to success that a disabled person can't meet. And if we are continuously othering accountability and ownership to this problem, that other people should include people with disabilities, but it's never right for you and your team, nothing will change. If you, right now, don't think a blind, deaf, or autistic person could be successful in your role, I hate to tell you this, but you're part of the problem too. Do I recognize that there are some jobs that may have requirements that limit disability inclusion? Sure. But unless your team has physical requirements as part of the job description and skills required, your belief of who can and can't be successful is most likely and unintentionally ableist and you're the barrier to employment. Leaders every day make assumptions about the type of person who belongs and who's qualified and they believe they can make those snap judgments at a glance. We all do it to an extent. But to be an inclusive leader, we need to recognize when that's happening and find ways to unpack those instinctive reactions and decisions. I want to believe that the majority of folks are not knowingly making these decisions based on discriminatory factors, but just defaulting to their own lived experience of what they know works and what doesn't. I want leaders who say they genuinely believe that hiring individuals with disabilities and women and people of different races and ethnicities is not only the right thing to do, it's a basic human respect for others. However, despite these intentions and these articulated beliefs, these thoughts about people who deserve opportunities, if you look around, if you look at the data, if you're honest with yourself... Our workplaces still lack diversity at all levels, especially disabled and neurodivergent individuals, and we're part of the continued exclusion of those people. It's okay, because acceptance is the first role we play in the step to change. Your current circle of friends and colleagues will tell you how much work you need to do too. When you look at the makeup of your friends, your coworkers, your workplace, how much diversity is present? How much diversity are you aware of? Are there differences in race and gender and ethnicities? If so, that's great. How about disabled individuals? Are there openly disabled people in your office? Is your technology designed to be accessible with those with low vision, no vision, and hearing impairments? If not, perhaps that's why you're lacking representation of people with physical disabilities. And then we need to think through the gaps that might exist for those with invisible disabilities, neurodivergence, learning disabilities, and yes, even illnesses. If we don't have physical access for those with mobility, sight, and hearing impairments, what would make us assume that our working environment can effectively support those with neurodivergence too. It's okay if as you hear this, you realize that maybe your workplace is not as accessible as you thought, because it's accessible to you. It's normal for us to assess our environments from our perspective, and it's hard to appreciate barriers that don't impact ourselves or the people we know. If I asked you to spend a day navigating your workplace in a wheelchair and then asked you to determine how an employee would access your company and content without sound and then without sight, you would begin to find the cracks in your systems. And then we would spend a day navigating your workplace from an autistic perspective and then ADHD and so on. Then you would see the systems that work for you and see what's preventing others from being fully included, from day one. And it's important that we assess these gaps before we actively recruit new talent to come in. It would be like inviting a guest over to your home unprepared and concluding that planning ahead takes too much forethought so that you're not going to invite guests in the future. What most of us would do is to make sure the guest feels welcome and cared for. It's what we do naturally to sustain and build relationships, to make collaborations work. And once you determine who is missing from your inclusion equation, you can then determine why it may be happening. I believe many people sincerely want to hire individuals with autism, but many have never met an autistic person. And this is problematic because a common solution recommended by diversity experts, is to redesign your work system in collaboration with impacted persons. But how can you collaboratively design if you don't have access to such employees today? And this is where you need to become very intentional in your planning, and this is where the real work begins. Because in this case, you will need to proactively seek resources and information to assess your workplace so that you can design from these other perspectives, because it's impossible to know what you don't know. And I want to be clear that if your workplace is not inherently inclusive today, there's a reason behind that exclusion, whether it's intentional or not. You also want to be aware that sometimes well-intentioned actions lead to unintended outcomes. For instance, When applying the Americans Disability Act or equal employment opportunities, most people try to force inclusivity without addressing the barriers that resulted in exclusion in the first place. This results in entry programs and poor outcomes, usually impacting performance and retention. Because merely opening the door for diverse people to be included in your organization is not enough if the inner workings of your company are not ready to effectively support disabled and neurodivergent workers. You need to clean your house. You need to do the work. You need to be prepared for access and accommodations before your diverse employees arrive. When disabled people and advocates demand inclusion, it's essential to recognize that they are fighting for the right to work and to be part of your organization. You need to acknowledge where you can make changes now so that more people can be included and not try to use the current state to justify why a person shouldn't be there. And if there are significant gaps, put in action plans to address them, making a commitment to change. You need to analyze your management processes, performance criteria, skill assessments, and recruiting processes that might be preventing entry. And if retention is the problem, what's driving the attrition? Ensuring an inclusive environment may require some adjustments and preparation, but it's also crucial to avoid causing harm in the process of pursuing equity. The most vulnerable are often the ones who need the opportunities the most. And don't just lean on employees to advocate for themselves. It is not a welcoming environment if you must ask for every basic accommodation To be successful every step of the way. When possible, incorporate common accommodations as standard structures and universal practices, much like ramps and lifts are expected features in buildings today. The more we meet employees where they are, disability or not, the more they will sense they belong and sign up to be part of your team. If you create the path of entry, they will enter and provide value just like you as the employer, provide them with opportunity. Work needs to be a mutually beneficial contract where the employer supports their employees and the employee produces for the employer. Because when we work together, we balance the equation and improve outcomes for both sides. It is a circle that will become stronger with each round, with iterative changes made to accommodate more differences as standard practice, less one-off accommodations, and making universal inclusion a standard. But it all starts with being honest with ourselves. We need to be aware of who you are excluding and where we may be overcompensating, slowly finding a balance in how we can achieve our overall goals. So look around. Are you in a department of all men or women? Are you racially diverse? Do you work differently? Do you dress the same or go to the same type of places? Diversity isn't just demographics. It's in how you work and how you think. Extroversion, introversion, thinkers, ideators, planners, collaborators. And if you all have the same hobbies and the same friend groups and the same preferences and so on, then you may not be as diverse as you think, even if your team appears diverse on paper. So take a mirror Then take a look below the surface, assess how your team works and how much diversity you have or lack. And above all, just stop making assumptions about what people can and cannot do. It's not your role to determine that. It's your job to give people an opportunity to show you. Being genuinely inclusive involves being open-minded and willing to create a workspace that is open to new ways of working and being and can include everyone. And that starts with being honest about how well we work to include people different than ourselves today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Differently. I hope you found our discussion today insightful and thought provoking. I wanna thank Audio Work Studios for their exceptional production and recording support. Without their expertise and dedication, this podcast would not be possible. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to share it with others. Your support helps us to reach new audiences and promote neurodiversity in our world. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform so that you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. We look forward to seeing you again soon on Think Differently.